So apparently my view on how the world works is a bit different than a lot of people's, at least from what I can tell. Um, and I wanted to give a basic idea of the way I see things as happening. Well, I mean, ultimately, we are apes that tell stories. So biologically speaking, we haven't changed all that much, you know, in the past, I, th I think, 100,000 years or something like that, other than the cognitive revolution, um, which was definitely a big thing, but that was, you know, we otherwise had not changed um, other than the, the changes in our mind. At least that's my understanding. Um, so since then, you know, culture has certainly changed a lot. The world changes based on what the people within it believe at the given, at any given time. Ultimately, we are apes that tell stories. And we internalize these stories. And these stories of what we believe to be true remain true until either people stop telling those stories or the stories are proven untrue. Um, an example of stories being proven untrue could be, you know, as simple as any, any myth that eventually goes away. Um, but it can also be things like, uh, one of my concerns lately, politically speaking, has been we, we tell stories, I mean, our, our constitution is basically a story of, of how our country operates. Um, it cannot, I mean, it's a piece of, it's paper, it's, or sheepskin, or whatever. Uh, it can't actually control our behavior. But what it, what it can do is it, it is the story of how we are supposed to operate. Now, as soon as that story is proven false, then the story is going to change. Uh, so, you, you know, we're, we're at a crossroads right now where we're, where we're starting to impeach this president. And the, the Senate, at least some members of the Senate, are telling us that they will not hold him accountable no matter what. Because they th agree with what he has done. Now, that has nothing to do with whether or not, you know, what he's doing with, is within the bounds of the Constitution, which in some cases it isn't. He is violating... Um, some of these separations we put in place. Basically, it is unreasonable for us to have to trust the president. Uh, trust him to do what is right. That's why there's checks and balances. So the House is, is supposed to provide oversight over the presidency and do things like uh, impeachment, um, which is why it's so important that when Trump refuses to let the House see what he is doing, that is one of these fundamental stories of our country that is being violated by the president. Now, if we don't hold him accountable for that, then that is another piece of the story that goes away. The House can be blocked. And there's no ramifications for that because we, we allow it. I mean, we let, we let Trump, uh, Trump do it. Um, Representative Ratcliffe, uh, justifies Trump's behaviors because of previous justifications for Obama's behavior or the Biden's behavior. Um, I don't want to get into whether or not the Biden's, you know, uh, I, I, don't, I doubt they've done anything illegal. I wouldn't really know. I'm not paying that much attention. Um, but I definitely think that our system as a whole that allows for people that get paid as much as Hunter Biden does, that is just a broken system. Um, 
So I think that just needs to change regardless of the question of whether they did anything wrong. However, if you let, if you let people get away with behavior that is actually corrupt, which is what it looks like our country is about to do for Trump, um, then that is severely damaging to the story of, you know, what the, what we do in this country. I mean, if, if we don't hold the corrupt accountable, we are not a country that idealizes, you know, anti-corruption. As much as, as much as we try to push that onto other people, if we don't do it ourselves, that's not one of our core values. That is not something we're teaching. That is not part of our story. We can tell that is part of our story, but people will know it is untrue. Whether it's people here or people in other, other places, it is fundamentally untrue if you do not hold people to account for it. So that is one of these ways that you can make a story that is no longer true. And then, you know, the scientific things as well, where, where we, we discover that, you know, something that we believe to be true about the behaviors of atoms, stars, whatever, whatever it is is being examined. Um, we can learn it's not true, and all of a sudden it's, you know, no longer part of our knowledge anymore, and um, it just vanishes as one of our stories. It's like, you know, Pluto as, as a planet. It was a planet until it wasn't. And now I believe it is again. And all of this has to do with, you know, changes of labels. Pluto itself has been spinning around just the way it always has. It's just that they've changed their minds on what a planet means. We've changed the story. And the changing the story fundamentally changes our perception of reality, even if it doesn't... Well, it, in some cases it can change reality itself. Because, you know, you... If you don't hold the president accountable, you end up with other unaccountable, um, unaccountable people. Now, since since stories are how we see the world, um, they also drive our actions. So you know, everyone has idea of of what how the world works, and they operate within the rules of how it works because otherwise you know things break down for you um in in trump's case the way the world works is that he does whatever he wants because he's a spoiled rich brat that's the way he grew up that's the way he lived that's the way he's always been so that is his story and when we try to hold him accountable he te he tells us no you can't hold me accountable you know i've i've lived through this life Nobody holds me accountable. They let you do it. Access Hollywood. They let you do it. No one holds you accountable. Therefore, it is it is acceptable because I've never been stopped. And this is just how he thinks because that is how he's lived his life because those are the rules that he has been held accountable to. Those are the rules that have been proven true for him again and again. And he thinks it's outrageous that we would think that these rules didn't apply <laughs> the way that they always have in the past but the rules don't apply from the same from person to person there is no shared reality there it is the world works however you can make it work so as you're telling your stories about how the world works you are actively confirming your own stories by making it true you're making decisions based on um based on your perceptions 
And then you're telling stories about what you did based on your perceptions. And people can choose to believe you or not. They may, you know, choose their own stories uh, about your experience. You know, if anyone has ever been gone through a gaslighting experience, you, you know what that's like. Where the other person has a their own understanding of reality and they expect everyone to conform. That's narcissistic behavior. You know, Trump, narcissistic personality disorder. Makes perfect sense. So Trump is telling these stories about, you know, how things work. And the way things work is that Trump does what he wants to do to to do what he wants. You know, in this case, uh, Trump appears to be playing out a story where he has um, he has his allies going out and investigating political rivals because their political rivals seem to be corrupt. A little bit of rejection, maybe. I mean, he he assumes that this is the way politics works. And nobody has stopped him. So clearly they do. It is such circular logic. But we play into it every day. He tells us he tells us something is true. His supporters tell us it's true. Well, yeah. The guy they trust is telling them it's true. And, you know, how often do we refute them? I mean, not, not you know, tell them it's not true. We tell them it's not true all the time. We tell them all sorts of things. Do we go through the, the effort of telling the tr- what we perceive to be the truth about the situation? I mean, I try sometimes. I, I think people don't get it enough. Otherwise, they'd be more willing to change their minds. Um... But here's the thing. So the more you tell these stories, the more the stories will line up with each other because you can you can demonstrate your truths. Without without people telling stories and demonstrating truths and tearing down false stories, all you have is 300 million people telling different stories. Often incompatible stories. We have uh we have some really really tough stories going on right now. Um, there's this one group of people uh, that self-identify as capitalists, and I don't mean you know. Capitalism is capitalism is just the opposite of socialism for some people. You know, no, I'm not a socialist. I am a capitalist, but they don't really understand what capitalism is. I mean, they haven't read. Um, Adam Smith, um, The Wealth of Nations, they haven't read, you know, any of these other stories. If you, you if you went for education, like if you went to school for economics, there is definitely a definition of these terms, right? However, if, you know, the majority of people you talk to on a daily basis have different ideas of what a word means, then it, it fundamentally isn't an effective word in these conversations. It is basically just, you know, a rough idea so we have these people, they self-identify as a capitalist. Like, I call myself an entrepreneur, you know, or a small business owner, something like that. But there's some people that they just, they call themselves capitalists. And in some cases, what what they do is, um, all they are is investors. Um, they choose something that they think should exist, and then they invest money in it. Uh, I'm doing a bit of that myself in terms of technology right now. 
Um, I've got a couple of people building. Uh, I've got an app in development and a web service in development. Um, however, these people that, that self-identify as capitalists, they're telling the story about maximizing shareholder value, right? And they're trying to uh, do everything they can in order to increase shareholder value. This is big on, on corporate CEOs because if it's a publicly traded company, then the investors, like, there is this fiduciary responsibility. Uh, you owe the investors. I, I, it makes sense. I mean, it, it's basically, you know, a, a way of incentivizing uh, CEOs to just not rip off the, the investors by paying themselves more, um, that sort of thing. But so if you tell them the story about um, uh, maximizing shareholder value, what it results in is it, it results in things like layoffs. You know, um, we're going we're gonna to invest in automation in order to reduce the workforce. We're going to um, move a t factory uh, across a border to do access cheaper labor, right? Um, now, there's other people, there's other people we'd call the working class. They're telling, the, the story that they're telling themselves on a regular basis is that um, they need to get a job so that they can work to feed, to, to feed their family. It's a good story. I mean, it's compelling because you know if you don't if you don't work, you don't have money. You don't have money. You don't you don't have food. You don't have a place to live, um, and that is a rather rough story that they are living through. Uh, I grew up in sort of that. I had a lot of friends that was family like that. My family was a bit different, but the um, uh, I certainly understand the working class upbringing. I mean, I. I been you know up until last year I've always had jobs right I've been working non-stop since I was 16 years old until I was 40 uh, and decided to find a different path so I kind of lost track there but um so you've got these capitalists they're telling this story about maximizing shareholder value and they're doing away with jobs then you have these educators, and they're telling this story about, you know, you know, teaching these kids and getting them ready for college, and college is going to get them ready for a job. Well, you know, as we talked about the capitalists, they're doing away with the jobs. So a smaller and smaller percentage of people are able to get the jobs than, you know, the good-paying factory jobs or manufacturing jobs because they're just not there anymore. They're, they're going away. And when you have more more people than you have jobs, wages go down, right? Because they, they apply the same rules of competition to the to the wages. Even though, you know, from the perspective of the individual, you know, you're selling your t time wholesale anyway. And you have someone shortchanging you on it such that you can't even pay the bills. That's just despicable. So... Yeah, we've got these different stories playing out, right? we got the educators teaching kids to get ready for a career that may or may not be there when they get out. And we've got these capitalists working on maximizing shareholder value, squeezing all of the... squeezing all of the... Um, uh, the excess out of the system. So to, to, all of the cost, you know? Make the products cheaper. Cheap. When you make it cheaper, you're you're reducing labor. You re reduce labor, you're reducing jobs. Again, you know, 
it's just another way to you know every time anytime you're squeezing money out of uh out of anything like any business any product or whatever and if you're squeezing out money you're effectively squeezing out other people whether it's you know you're paying for parts or something that someone had to make someone had to refine the ore you know there's there's a lot of work that goes into each of the parts that go into something you're building it's fundamentally we have these stories that are incompatible because they fail to take each other into account and then we have people that are justifying their behaviors uh you know getting as rich as possible because in our country everyone has the opportunity to get ahead you know they call it the, the american dream really it's the revised american dream the original american dream was talking about there being enough for everyone where there's this other dream of you know i can start off small and get really big now that's a dream that can't be achieved by everyone you can't get ahead and have enough for everyone that's you know the kind of the idea of being ahead is that you have to be ahead and they need to be behind you and as this process is played out of of maximizing shareholder value what what we end up with is we end up with um uh interesting situations where the people who do all the work barely get any money and then you have this other class of people that are making, you know, tens or hundreds of millions of dollars running these companies, which, you know, really they're the overhead. You know, somebody who makes that much money, they are overhead uh, for, from the company. You're not doing anything that makes that much money. The only thing that makes you that makes that much money is how much money you make for the investors. Now, from the perspective of the working, the workers and the customers, the investors and the executives are both overhead. They should be gone. They're not helping anyone out. And in theory, I mean, we talk to, if you talk to a libertarian, um, they, talk, they talk about how the market works itself out. Well, the market only works itself out if somebody does something that, you know, works it out. It's the, the market is the sum of the actions of the individuals contributing to it. It's nothing any more than that. It's not some mystical thing. If you think that if you think that the profit margins are going to get squeezed by competition, well, that only helps. Like that only happens if somebody comes in and squeezes the profit margins. Somebody actually has to make that decision and do that work and make that call. Personally, I think that's the best thing we can do right now. I mean, there's this idea that, you know, government is working on maximizing uh, shareholder value as well. I mean, they, they are making trade deals and stuff with a focus on earnings. And that, that feeds into this entire cycle um, as well. And we, we know what the result is over time. The result is a loss of jobs. Uh, an increase in dissatisfaction within the country. Um, separately, we, we've made some big mistakes with our education system, which is resulting in, you know, um, well, these stories. So we're back to the stories again, because the school is where you start teaching these stories. You know, we used to teach about civics. 
we started we stopped telling that story and we stopped having generations of kids that understood that story and could tell the story themselves and if nobody was telling it it doesn't matter if it's in a book somewhere if people as a whole don't understand it they're not going to do anything with it they're not going to tell that story they're not going to they're not going to honor that story they're not going to obey that story so it's all well and good that our government has a separation of powers and that there's checks and balances on the the presidency if nobody's telling the people the story about these checks and balances and the president is actively saying there are no checks and balances and we fail to hold them accountable for violating the checks and balances then it doesn't matter that somewhere in Washington DC there is a scroll that describes these checks and balances it should matter but it only matters if we make it matter and Every day, I hear people telling the same stories about how it doesn't matter. The story, we, the story we are telling ourselves over and over again is that Trump doesn't care, that the GOP doesn't care, and so that impeachment will not work. Now, separately, Trump is telling a story where, you know, he can invite foreign interference in our elections and that you know well i don't know what story the the gop especially mcconnell is telling himself right now that means that there are no checks on the president and that you know election reform bills passed by the house should just sit there while we know that multiple countries are interfering with our elections but I do know that those things will have consequences. And a failure to impeach has consequences. The failure to impeach after the Mueller report had consequences. Those had big consequences. So first off, it invalidated the Mueller report in the minds of all the Trump supporters. It was a great big nothing burger because nobody held him accountable for anything in there. So clearly there was nothing to hold him account for. Well, I'm kind of done with this. We can't, we can't win if we can't get our stories straight. And everybody's out there telling their own stories and they're very, very adamant about their own stories about how only Biden can win and how only Bernie could win and no white men allowed <laughs> and no you know the, the next the next I've heard I've heard that the next candidate the next president must be a woman which I don't have a problem with a female president but you are certainly you know limiting the scope of who that could possibly be personally I'm a I'm an Elizabeth Warren fan so you know I'm fine with that but, you know, the, the, the story about the next candidate must be a woman is rather incompatible with the story that it must be Biden. And those two groups, they're not going to see eye to eye. The Bernie folks got screwed over in 2016, so they, they've probably a bit upset already.